0: Okay, it's good to uh, open our Bible tonight, isn't it? What I love about uh, church is that it forces us to open the Bible. (laughs) I mean, maybe we're busy. You guys are busy today? Yeah. How many of you are ready to take a nap here while I talk? I won't be. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's like we're exhausted. We get up early. Uh, we, we work hard, and uh, we're tired, and we come here because we need life, and we need to open our Bible and see the presence of God. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit tonight, is there's two things. One is the presence of God, and one is the glory of God. And this kind of came through, you know, this is Easter season in my mind, right? I mean, it's always Easter season in our hearts, but we're still in the Easter season. And if we were alive 2,000 years ago, Jesus would be walking on the earth after being resurrected, and people would be talking about it. (laughs) Mm. Hey, have have you heard? The grave is empty. Are you kidding me? How is that possible? Who stole the body? Where are the disciples? Galatians chapter 6. Great verse. The Apostle Paul says this. Galatians six fourteen. It says, But God forbid that I should boast. Now the King James says, Glory. That I should glory except in the cross of our Lord, Jesus Christ, whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Wow. Isn't that a good verse? But God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Let me ask you a question tonight. How much power does the world have in your life? And how much of the world are you empowering? Paul says it two ways here. One is that the world has power over me. And another one is that I have power, I have influence in the world. And here Paul is saying not in a spiritual sense, like in a good sense, but in in a way that The world, like the cosmos, Satan and his kingdom is influencing my life. (laughs) And I would dare to say that Satan has more influence in your life than you can even imagine. The only thing that brings us to a different place is the grace of God. (laughs) I mean, how many hours do you work? You know, Pastor Gary. In a week, how many hours? Today, 12. Yeah, today, 12. Yeah, Anna, 40, 50 hours a week. Something like that. Something like that. I mean, a lot of us are putting at least 40, you know, probably 50, then you have your driving time. And you are, this is the world system, whether we know it or not. And we go home and we chill. <laughs> Usually that means we put on a little Netflix. And something that's not even bad, I guarantee you, there's something in there from Satan's king. I'm not like, you know, dissing Netflix. I watch, you know, TV too, (laughs) but I am saying this, that the world does has have influence in my life. And I want us to look at that word glory, because that word glory, one definition means to magnify. Okay, means to magnify. Now, you're talking about this a couple weeks ago, right, Les? What is between you and me right now? If we could see the invisible, if we could look underneath the microscope and see all the little microbiology, all these little tiny things that are existing on this little pulpit, on the chair, we would be amazed. Mm. We, we, we magnify and we see what is there. You know, in our life, what are we magnifying? What do we make bigger in our life? <laughs> I hear people at work, and they make little things big. And then they make big things small. Now here is the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. He is saying that I'm going to make the cross big in my life. Because it is through the cross, when it is made big in my life... It takes the world and its authority and makes it so much more small. I, I think when we struggle in our life, it's because we are not making the cross big enough. We're not making the cross big enough. And, God, and Paul is saying, you need to make the cross big. Now, fun little story. We're going to jump to second uh, first chronicles yeah i love the bible I was sitting there four in the morning you know reading first Chron- chronicles you know it's, it's a fun uh, four in the morning chapter <laughs> wow. but uh it, it, let's um we're gonna go through a few chapters here but starting in Chapter 13. This is a great chapter because what it is is there is the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant to the Jews, it is the presence of God. If you remember in the tabernacle, even in the wilderness, that it was put in a special place, special people carried it, a special way to carry it. And when it was set up in the tabernacle, only The high priest could go in there. But you see, also, Moses was in there too, right? And Joshua, they were in there. But only a select few people were in there because it was a holy place. The Ark of the Covenant was there, it is where the presence of God was. And at times, you can read in the Old Testament that the presence of God was so thick that the priest had to leave the Holy of Holies. Isn't that amazing? The presence of God was so thick. The cloud of smoke was so thick. They had to leave the Holy of Holies. And here it is, the Holy of Holies. It has not been, you know, in the capital for a long time. And here it is, David. He is trying to bring the Holy of Holies to Jerusalem. He has built a place for it. He is bringing it to this place. And what happens? You know, Uzzah touches it, and what happens to him? He dies. Verse nine it says, "When they came to uh, Chidon's threshing floor, Uzzah put his out his hand to hold the ark, for the ox stumbled. The anger of the Lord arose against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put his hand on the ark, and he died." There before God. You know, the first thing we see here is that the presence of God is holy. And it is. there's a certain way to handle it. You know, We are living in the age of grace. We're living in the church age. And as we we're kind of fellowshipping with Sebastian before the Bible study, we see that the world takes these Christian words and they touch them. They take the word love and they touch it. And what do they do to it? They turn it into a, holy, a completely different thing. They take the word forgiveness. They take grace. They take all these Christian words that were designed for us to understand. It was designed for us to exemplify. It was designed for us to get to know through Jesus Christ, through God himself. It was designed for us. And the world which has not been crucified, takes these words and they mutate them. And you know what? The anger of the Lord is kindled. And it's amazing today. We could go into some churches. I'm not here to you know give churches a hard time. But some churches, they talk about grace. They talk about love. And it is no different than the world. I mean, Oprah Winfrey goes to Africa and helps poor people. What makes you know Oprah Winfrey's gospel any different than my gospel? It better be the cross. That better be the difference, <laughs> as the Apostle Paul is saying. But okay, so there is something holy about the presence of God, and there is a way to handle it. But look at David's response, and David became angry. See, God is angry, and now David is angry. Verse 11, Because the Lord, because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, therefore the place is called Perez-Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of God that day, saying, How can I bring the ark of God to me? How can I bring the presence of God to me? David was afraid of of God. He was afraid of the ark. He didn't know what to do with the presence of God, so he sent it to Obed-Edom's house. And who is this man? <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. All we know about Obed-Edom is that the ark of the covenant was at his house for three months, and at the end of the chapter, it says, The ark of the covenant remained in the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. So we first see that the presence of God is holy and there's a certain way to touch it. And then we also see that the presence of God, there is also a blessing. It is the same thing with a cross. If we are relating to the cross the wrong way, the cross is difficult. We take uh, sayings like, take up your cross daily and we try to water it down in a way that is palatable for me to deal with in an age of grace where people have no capacity to suffer <laughs> when maybe it is God's will that I suffer maybe it's God's will that He is his anger is kindled about an area of my life and he wants to strike that area of my life down dead so that way he can bring it into the presence of God, into another area of my life so I can be blessed. See, a blessing is always after death. For me to be blessed by God, there has to be death in my life. Death to what? Well, Galatians 6.14, it says, there has to be death to the world. you know, what area of the world has a hold on me? So it's an interesting chapter. Chapter 14, the Philistines are defeated. Chapter 15, David learns how to handle the presence of God. And he brings the presence of God to Jerusalem. And I love this. Let's see. I mean, you can read it. There's a lot of names. In the very last verse, there's somebody else here. And it happened as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David, that Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David whirling and playing music, and she despised him in her heart. See, as we are reading about the presence of God coming into Jerusalem, we're reading that there are many reactions to the presence of God. Uzzah is dead. David is angry. David is corrected, learns how to bring the presence of God. Obed-Edom is blessed. And I can imagine that as David is sitting in Jerusalem on his throne, he is having daily or weekly reports about Obed-Edom's blessings. (laughs) blessings. <laughs> Could you imagine David sitting on his throne? Like, that belongs in Jerusalem. But here it is in this man's house, and he is being blessed. But we should be blessed. I want to be blessed. And how many times do we look at another believer's life, and we see the blessing of God in their life, you know, and we want the blessing. And let's put it in a different way. We open our Bible and And we read about the heroes of faith, as we heard a little bit last night in church, Hebrews 11. We read about the heroes of faith, and we read about the blessing of God in their life. Doesn't that provoke us? (laughs) It's like, man, I want what Moses had. I want to live in obedience like Noah did for 120 years, preaching the gospel and building a boat. I mean, I would love to build a pirate ship someday, you know? (laughs) There used to be this guy in Bible school. Actually, Uh, he was from Maine, where I'm from, and uh, he worked for a company that was actually building the boats that were in Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, it would be just so cool to build some of these old. You know, I wanna, I wanna, I want the blessing of God in my life. You you look through the Bible and you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You see Esther. Mordecai, you you see these different people in the Bible, and you say, God has blessed them. And it provokes us, and and we say, I want that, God. Bless me, bless me, bless me, God. Bless me. And here is David, he is sitting there. And this is King David, guys. (laughs) A man after God's own heart. He's the one who built the plans for the temple in Jerusalem, and he wasn't allowed to build it because he was a man of war. I mean, this is King David and he is jealous of this little man in his house and his family is being blessed because of the presence of God. And we find ourselves, if we have the presence of God in our life, we will make kings jealous. And they will not be able to touch us because we have the presence of God in our life. But here he is, David, he is jealous and he is provoked he brings the ark to Jerusalem. And now his wife, <laughs> his wife, sees him dancing and singing in the streets. And now she despises him in her heart. She hates him because of the blessing of God, the presence of God in his life. Hmm. And in verse 16. I mean, chapter 16, it is David's song of thanksgiving. And I want to look at one verse, all this <laughs> to get to one verse. Starting in verse um, 25. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Death, anger, blessing, Despise, look at these adjectives that are being used. And then finally, David says this, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. In our life, there is a roller coaster of emotions, mm-hmm. physical death of loved ones, physical suffering, emotional death, Spiritually, there are things that are dying and things that are living, whether they be good or bad. Spiritually and physically, things are being blessed, whether they be good or bad. There are all these emotions that are happening. But at the end of it, what is my testimony? My testimony is verse 25. For the Lord is great and he is greatly to be praised. If you look up the word glorify in the Greek, I believe it's doxa. It means, the first word means to praise. (laughs) To praise. You know, here we are, we are praising God. We are praising God. Hey, God, look at the blessing in my life. Yeah, but look at the trouble that it took you to get there. It's okay, because I praise in the cross. Take out that word glory or boast, because glory also can be defined as praise. Praise. I praise in the cross. The cross causes me to praise. Because if it wasn't for the cross, then I would not be crucified to the world and the world to me. What that means is that I am separated, I am anointed, I am set apart, I am special, I am important. If it wasn't for the cross, I would have no meaning. See, the cross gives me purpose. The cross gives me meaning in life. It separates me and says that I am special. And it's amazing. You know, later on in life, all the things in the temple are going to be taken away by Nebuchadnezzar. And they're put in the storehouse. And his son, what's his name, Belshazzar? Mm -hmm. No. Yes. Yes, Belshazzar. He takes out the utensils that were used in the temple and he begins to eat With them and that very day he dies. A little tiny thing, a fork from the temple. And we could say we are small and we are we are we don't mean much, but you are set apart and you have a definite purpose and definite meaning. And when the kingdom of God puts that on you, there is such great value. There is something amazing. There is something great here. He is also to be feared above all gods. Listen to this. For the gods of the peoples are idols. They are idols. Meaning that there is no power. They have no authority. They might seduce you. Yes. They might be reasonable. Yes. It might be cultural. Yes. But they are idols. Meaning that they have no place in my life. The gods of the people, they are idols. They have no place in my life. Why? Because I glory in the cross. I praise in the cross. I magnify the cross. But the Lord made the heavens. (laughs) Amazing. See, here are these little idols you put in that little archway. And you burn incense. You throw a couple apples and bananas at them in the morning and you ask them for guidance and they have no authority. But my God made the heavens. My God made the heavens. Now verse 27. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples, give to the Lord glory and strength. See, here in First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 28, we are commanded to glorify God. We are commanded to glorify God. So break it down to the definition. We are commanded to praise God. We are commanded to magnify God. We are commanded to bring God honor. That is a commandment that we have. Now let's turn to Luke chapter... It's funny, I can't talk and turn on my Bible at the same time. Luke... (laughs) I don't know what chapter it is, but I know it in my Bible. I believe it's Luke 23. Here is a great, I mean, this is Jesus at the cross. Verse 46, Luke 23, 46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, having said this, He breathed his last. Verse 48. No, sorry, verse 47. So when the centurion saw this, what happened? What did he do? (laughs) He glorified God. By saying, certainly this man was a righteous man. You know, the fact that it says that he glorified God He wasn't just saying this man was a good man. You know, when somebody says, "Oh, this man was righteous," could also be translated maybe as, "This man was innocent," right? Mm -hmm. Jesus was more than an innocent man, but he was innocent, was he? Wasn't he? He was innocent, but he was more than an innocent man. He was the Son of God, paying the price. So, when it says that this man glorified God, it says that he is magnifying God by recognizing who Jesus Christ was. He magnified God by recognizing who Jesus Christ was. And he, it is amazing. You read this over and over and over again, and I, I, oh man, I wish I remembered the verses. Uh, Psalm 78 says it too Like in the the wilderness they didn't glorify him For who he was Pastor Schaller just recently spoke about Psalm 78 Uh, Mark chapter 9 we were there this morning You know it is is not a Jewish person A a non-Jew says Lord I believe but help my unbelief Over and over again it says that Jesus is amazed by faith. I haven't seen such great a faith in all of Israel. And more often than not it is from a non-Jewish being. And here it is. A Roman soldier that took part in his crucifixion is magnifying God by recognizing who Jesus is. It is often somebody we least expect to glorify God. It should cause us to worry about ourselves because we are men and women of God. We are children of God. But am I magnifying God? Am I praising Him? Am I honoring Him? Maybe I am or maybe I'm not. And this is this is so interesting. I was looking up what causes us as human beings to place value on something. Or what causes us as, as men and women to magnify something. There's two. There's one... From the inside and there's one from the outside one is our feelings our feelings control from the inside what we place value on now if you are communing with yourself you're communing with your feelings a lot maybe you have unhealthy emotions or maybe you have healthy emotions but more than likely, or not unless you are hid in the word, unless you're hid in the body, you have unhealthy emotions. So when you commune with yourself and you fellowship with yourself, what are you thinking about? You're thinking not. You're not thinking with God. You're not thinking right. It's probably starting with self. So what are you going to magnify? Are you going to magnify the things of God? Probably not, because the things that I'm communing with is not from God because it is centered around my feelings. The other way that controls what I place value on is thoughts. Now this is what the Word of God does. It comes and purifies us, doesn't it? It cleanses our thinking. It changes who we are and how we think about God. You know, it takes this word love And I learn about it, and then I experience it in the body. There is thought and there is experience, and now I am able to place value on something. And God is in the business of changing our thoughts so that way we can glorify Him and the things of Him. You know, why do we go to church so often? Why is this so important, despite, you know, the air conditioner? You know, there are things... That want to stop us from fellowshipping here and hearing the word of God. Why? Because if we hear the word of God, then we are given a greater opportunity to magnify who God is. Mm -hmm. So if we miss this, I no longer magnify God and I live a defeated life. I am like that little utensil in Belshazzar's kitchen. (laughs) Mm and says, hey, you belong in the Holy of Holies, but right now I'm in Belshazzar's kitchen. Because I missed an opportunity for my thinking to change, to place a different value system. And here I am, I, I open my Bible, and I grow. God changes me, so and my thoughts are changing. And I hear about this word love, unconditional love. And I think, well, I could... Uh, For one, I'm unconditionally loved by God. I don't believe it. But what happens? You hear it over and over and over and over again through the Bible, through prayer, through fellowship, through teaching. And guess what? You have a different thought. I am loved. And then one day, you screw up. (laughs) Then you experience that love. And then it is solidified in your soul. This is what love is. And I am going to magnify God because He is love. Right? God is love. That has a whole new meaning now. Before, you know, what is love? You know, I was listening to a book uh, that Jason Lawrence recommended, Hero, and talking about teenagers at 12, 13, 14, 15 years old sleeping around. What is love? You know? That's not love. Mm. You know, it's funny. The other day, you know, somebody was addressing me and my wife, and she addressed my wife as uh, my girlfriend. Oh, because well, be, yeah, because they weren't used... In their own experience, they're not used to seeing a husband, a wife, and a child. Huh. Their experience is <laughs> child, you know, and producers of the child (laughs) and the boyfriend comes and goes mom comes and goes there's a new boyfriend there's no dad see that is what is love God comes in and he changes my thoughts and because of my thoughts being corrected and I'm no longer living in my emotions see my emotions is what was there before and sometimes my emotions cause me, causes me not to glory in the cross. So we could say here, what happened in Luke chapter 23 to the centurion? You think his feelings changed? No, I, I don't think so. He saw something, he thought something from the cross. There was something there that he saw. And there was a new thought in his mind and he glorified glorified God and then his feelings changed see in 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 1st chronicles chapter 16 verse 25 if my gods are 26 if my gods are idols my thoughts don't matter do they <laughs> and my feelings don't really matter at all Because my God is an idol. Meaning that it is subject to change as culture changes. That's why when we open our Bible and, you know, we're dealing things in a political realm right now. Because we open our Bible and the Bible teaches us a thought. And and God says, this is the way it is and this is the way I am glorified. So when it is the opposite of the way God says it is... God is no longer being glorified in our culture. And what happens? We are touching the presence of God in the wrong way. And I, I tell you it will happen at some points the anger of God will be kindled. <laughs> the anger of God will be kindled because of the presence of God being touched the wrong way. You know what? We are a small group tonight but it is the remnant that holds back that wrath, the Bible teaches us. It is the few of us that save the many from the wrath of God. It is the few of us that know how to praise God. It is the few of us that know how to magnify God. It is the few of us that know how to honor God, that holds back the judgments of God, the tribulation that is coming. It is us few and others like us that look at the Bible And realize how great it is. The apostle Paul is an amazing man because in the natural, culturally, he had a lot to glory in, didn't he? And God brought him down and humbled him and says, That is all pile of crap. (laughs) That's what he says. That is a pile of crap. It's worthless. And brings the Apostle Paul to such a state where he says, I can only glory in the cross. I can only glory in the cross. I have to magnify the cross in my life. And, you know, when we're busy working 12-hour days, up early, up late, our lives are stretched thin, It is difficult to magnify God, isn't it? But like the centurion, it didn't take much. One simple thought, and God is glorified. In our lives, in the midst of our difficulties, God isn't saying, in the midst of chaos, you know, fast and pray for three days. No. He is just saying, mentally, Spiritually speaking, magnify my name. And sometimes all it does is you walk away and you say in your heart, Greatly are you to be praised. Verse 25, 1 Chronicles 16. You are great, God. Mm. You are great. My life is not great, but you are great. (laughs) Mm. My marriage isn't great, but you are great. My health isn't great, but you are great. My living conditions aren't great, but you are great. My emotions aren't great, but you are great. And the gods that they serve are simple idols. They have hands but can't do anything. They have eyes and can't see. But you are the God who makes the heavens. So I have to, in my heart, I have to glorify you. And sometimes that's all we need to do. You know, just sit there close your eyes and say, God, I praise you. Walk away. That's it. One little word takes three seconds. And your heart changes. Situation might not change. But I tell you one thing. The blessings are going to be poured out. (laughs) It's not a prosperity gospel. But it's a matter of fact. When the presence of God is there, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. I think of poor people, the presence of God is in their life. They will be blessed. They will be. They might not get a house and a mansion and a car and lots of money in this life, but by God, they are going to be blessed. And you know what? They already are blessed. Because they have more capacity to deal with the trash this world has to offer because they have God in their life. Then you have these great celebrities Who have so much earthly blessings, but they are without God. And look at them. You know, it's sad. Mm. But we have God. We magnify his name. So let's turn to Galatians chapter 6 one more time as we close. And let's read that verse. But God forbid, let it be far from me, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Heavenly Father, we. Thank you so much for this word. We thank you for your presence, your power, and who you are in our life, how you have transformed us. I love that in verse 17. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, meaning it the only thing that matters is the new creation. You have made us new. You have made us new. And that is why we can glory in the cross. We just thank you. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.